Because I really like. Did you hear that? Yeah. Yeah, Go we're ahead. live. I, I, well, I just wanted, we're live. I want to hit record because, like, I realized we're talking about great whiskey, and I just wanted to make sure that we were could yeah, continued that. I wanted to get some of those nuggets live. Um, yeah, I had four roses for the first time um, last week. This guy brought really? it at this wing night group. We meet every other week, and we had this one restaurant here that we would go to, but then it burnt down. So we've been. Oh, wow. And transient yeah. and and so we had to do it at people's houses but this guy brought some four roses and i was like this is delicious yeah i have not done I, so i want to do the bourbon trail in kentucky mm-hmm. um it's like everybody that yep. i'm somewhat close to has done that except for me and so like mm-hmm. all right maybe 2023 is the time you know, we, we go and, you know, do, we do that. So that I'm kind of maybe looking forward to, um, I've heard, you know, it's pretty cool. Like going in the fall, I think is like, Mm -hmm. you know, like perfect time to do that. I don't know that in the middle of summer when it's 95 degrees, um, maybe I, you know, I'm saying anywhere, (laughs) anywhere in the South in the summer is not fun to be you know now i've heard i forget who it was is it it's makers or somebody like that they do these uh slushies in the summer oh so yeah that sounds like you know i'm like okay you know but just um distillery hop in the 95 degree weather in the summer uh, yeah you know most of it's probably inside but i think i'm we're going to try to reserve that trip for the ball i think that's kind of like Let's do that. My my in-laws did that. Um and they were talking about some of the breweries that was or distilleries that was really hard to get into, like Buffalo Trace. I mean, that's almost like if you don't have a reservation two years in advance, you're not gonna get in mm. um kind of place. But they had a they had a great time because my uh, father-in-law, he loves he loves bourbon. Um he saw the Russells on the counter because my, it's funny because I'm not in my where I usually am. I'm in the basement of our house because our in-laws are flying to the Virgin Islands tomorrow and oh. they needed to stay here. Yeah. And so uh, they took over the guest room. So I'm sitting in our basement. So uh, it's interesting. <laughs> I like it. I like the wood paneling. Man. That's awesome. Yeah. We're also the, yeah, we're the, um, we're the only house I think in Virginia beach that still has a basement. Cause it's like, doesn't make sense. Cause we're pretty low. Right. We're the second low. We're wait, we're the third lowest in America below sea level. I think new Orleans is above us. No, new Orleans is lower, but uh, yeah, we have a basement somehow and uh, nobody else has one <laughs> in the beach. So whatever. Oh yeah, man. I mean, that's wild. You don't see. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it's funny if you could see. So my microphone stand is hooked up to a piece apart in our pool table that's down here, and <laughs> I like it. Dude. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, officially welcoming you, Preston, to the podcast. It is. It's, I'm, it's I'm, awesome I'm to have you. 
Yeah, man. I'm I'm excited to be here. Um, it's it's uh, life is a journey. Yeah, man. <laughs> and who you get to do it with is you know. Some, I was telling someone the other day, like huh? I think life is less about what we do and more of who we get to do it with. You know, uh-huh. and so, you know, um, it's always good to catch up with old friends and um, mm-hmm. always welcome that, right? Because it's kind of like, man, we haven't talked in years. What have you learned on your journey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, like, um, you know, when you're in college and all that kind of stuff, it's like, you know, what is life? You know, you know what life is. And then you, you, you just like a good bourbon, you know, you age. And most of the time, the wisdom that you can go, you know, it's mostly the mistakes and failures and all that good stuff that makes the stories. <clears throat> um, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm glad to to be here. I'm glad to be able to, um, it's just something, or at least in, in the bourbon tasting, you know, it's kind of something I learned, you know, mm-hmm. worked, worked Wait, a, I worked at a liquor yeah. store at some point. In the last 15 years. But anyway, you know, we have people like reps come through here and like one rep, I think it was Woodford, uh, they hand me this little little book and it had like, you know, all these cool little things you can do with bourbon. And one of the things was how how to properly taste bourbon and pair it with different stuff. So that's pretty cool. Um, that's kind of like my thing. Like if I'm hanging out with somebody, hey man, you want to do bourbon tasting? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was it was pretty interesting what you showed me the picture. I mean, you've got, got like you've got your bourbon up, and I saw like a piece of dark chocolate, uh, an orange, some cheese, some pecans. Is that craisins too? Uh, that is um, that is yeah cranberries. Oh, cranberries, nice. Yeah. If I can uh, do this here, so yeah, can you see that? Is yeah, that I showing? can see that. Uh-huh. Totally. So like, these are mandarins. Look oh. at that. A little garnish like that. Like at Whole Foods, man. That Whole oh. Foods, bro, they don't play. They leave the they leave the everything on there. Um, whoops. Um and that orange looks like you plucked it right from a tree in your yard. <laughs> that's right, man. Uh, right off the boat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Directly to my table. Mm-hmm. Um and then this is like uh, some Parmesan. This is a little bit of cheddar. This is milk chocolate, dark chocolate. Obviously, the uh, we talked about the cranberries and pecans. So that's kind of like, all right, and there's the, this Redwood Empire. Uh, they do some nice. pretty good stuff out of California. Um, it's, I'm going to have to try that a little bit. And then, you know, I got my Woodford, like I told you, the bottle that I've had for four or five years stashed away. I didn't know that was neither one of those are opened. So I get to christen those open. And then the two glasses, my little snifter, and then you know, my trusty four roses guy there. And is your that. table does your table double as a ping pong table? Is that what I'm it, seeing? It does. And I have the 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 <laughs> the, 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 the uh, paper towel roll is to hold up the phone. You know what I mean? I'm just we all yeah. sophisticated. <laughs> i love it preston yeah. i love it well it was my daughter so my daughter uh, uh we were in going to blue ridge and she was like 
oh, we're in the mountains, we're bored. Like, what are we going to do? And then, um, so my in-laws at the cabin have this like um, kind of island that's marble and uh, perfect size, you know, table to do. We I put chairs up and stuff like that. But we found this ping pong, like net, you can just throw on any table. And uh, it was like 14 bucks and, you know, kept them like so entertained the whole weekend. And so we like brought it home. And so that's kind of like one of our things during the week. That's We're just getting. Cool. Yeah. Um, so shout out to whoever made that, like the, whoever had that idea. Let's just do a ping pong net where you can just carry it with you and turn any table into a ping pong table. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's perfect for families because I wish we would have had stuff like that on family trips because, I mean, I have two, you know, two younger brothers. And if we were in a cabin with nothing to do, the first thing we're going to do is beat each other up. You know, I mean, that's just, it's just right. how we were. <laughs> yeah. So, and it's like, yeah that- I, um, I'll tell you this, I had a, I'll tell you a story about ping pong tables. So back in my mysterious, mischievous days in high school, I had, we had a basement. And so I had a ping pong table uh, down there and, you know, we like to smoke a lot of weed and um, we're hanging out and I'm like sitting in a chair, like on the corner, like, just like, just watching like this, you know, just watch, just like high as a kite. And my buddy Kyle, no, it was actually on the, I was on the right. I'd like, I'd be like right here, but over here. And I'm just sitting there and my buddy Kyle, I guess we all, he also, we're all, we're just high as a kite. And he was about to just lay this biggest like forehand known to man. Like, I mean, literally like, and just clocks me right in the face. Um, just, <laughs> and I'm like bent over like this, and it's just collapse. And then we all just like everybody's like in suspense, and we just was like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think I might have had a concussion, but you know, I, I didn't feel anything. <laughs> so that's uh, that's a ping pong story. Yeah, that's great. I <laughs> we had a ping pong table growing up in our basement, and um, I mean hours and hours and hours playing it. I mean, my I think it. My grandfather had one in his basement, and it was the same thing. My grandfather beat me constantly in ping pong, and a couple of us too. It just it was mind boggling. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it ping pong was a cause of so much joy and so much sorrow in my life, and so many fights. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've thrown a ping pong battle at my brothers, and they've thrown them at me. Um, yeah. you know, it's but it's so much fun. I don't know what it is about ping pong because I don't like tennis, I like ping pong. Well, you know the thing now. The, the thing now is like biggest pickleball. Is that is that like taking off up there? And uh, it, yeah, I'm I'm about ten years until I can play. Until I feel okay playing pickleball. 
it's like a 50 and up kind of thing or what you call so, them the gray hairs you know yeah well the um it's like the kids down here man is like that's the thing with them really yeah like they're turning they're turning we have tennis courts in our neighborhood and they're like all the kids are lobbying to you know to to turn them into pickleball courts and nobody uses them wow it's like the old curmudgeons are like no we want to keep our tennis courts I'm like nobody ever uses them just turn them into pickleball courts. And I think there's a way that you can do that That's with, without losing the tennis courts. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. Pickleball is pretty cool. Yeah, I've only ever seen old people play it because at our the rec center we go to, I mean, it's, it's like, it's a thing. What about shuffleboard? They have you, their you, daily or their weekly pickleball meet. No, I mean shuffleboard. I see shuffleboard breweries. That's where I've uh-huh. seen shuffleboard. Mm-hmm. So my cat just is is making his way over. So, so if if you see a white cat, mm-hmm. his name his name is Bowie. He has two different color eyes. Cool, like David Bowie. That's how he gets his name. Uh, Dude, that's awesome. And he's deaf. He can't hear a thing. Wow. Yeah, I have two. We have two black cats, a boy and a girl. They're Bonnie and Clyde. We called them that because we we uh, had to spring them from uh, the pen. Mm, that's you know, the cool. old shelters. I thought it was a fitting name. Yeah. yeah. So they might show up. Do what? I love that. Yeah. Bonding. I wanted, I really wanted an animal that I could name Cornelius. And that's what I really wanted to name the cat. I just think Cornelius is a really funny name. Yeah. But then. When when I when I, we had a boy and a girl, and I was like, we got him from a shelter. I was like, Bonnie and Clyde just fits, you know. So yeah, but uh, I, I you know I want a dog. That's kind of a point, not a point of contention in our household, but I've, I've wanted a I mean I've wanted a bulldog for a long time, like my entire life. Not so much for the football, like the UGA thing that's what everybody kind of thinks yeah. um because i'm from georgia they just assume um not that i have anything against uga i don't want anyone hearing that getting mad at me um <laughs> but uh just always wanted a bulldog and uh when we were uh talking about having our kid or in the conversations i was like i didn't know see i didn't know that i i really wanted to be a dad um that's just something that I've, I think that I struggled with. Um, I think it was because I was a teacher and I'd already had like, there's, there's, it's just a long story, but anyway, we're, my wife was like, we were just talking about it. And I was like, she had this cat, Mr. Bojangles for like 20 years. And uh, this, they had just had this really cool bond. And I was like, I just want that bond. I was like, I think, I think. I think that like I need to have a dog before I have a kid that'll yeah. open my heart to having a kid. And so she was like, all right, so you get a dog and we'll have a kid. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. And so, yeah. you know, a month into the conversation, she gets pregnant. Um, I don't have a dog, but I have a kid and I have two cats. <laughs> you you took quite the detour. 
I did. I took quite the detour. Um, so I, I can relate. To, I can relate to bulldogs though, mm -hmm. uh, and I like dogs. Um, it just seems like all the people I've been close to just had more of an affinity to cats. But you know, the cool thing about bulldogs, I can relate mm -hmm. to them because you know they're they're kind of fat and kind of have a hard time getting around, and they have a lot of health problems. So I'm like. That's, I think I'm just a human. <laughs> That's what I am. Yeah. I just think they match my personality. And they always say, if you're going to get a dog, get a dog that matches your personality. Yeah. Um, but I just love them. I, I think they're, they're so ugly, but so beautiful at the same time. And French bulldogs are even prettier. Yeah. Um, I just, I've always wanted just a dog that's going to sit, you know, sit in the passenger's seat we're going you know going grocery store and there you know there she is i want a girl girl dogs to me are the best i think they're a lot better than boy dogs but just you know just a little girl dog just hanging out one day what was it um do you remember that show was it robin big was that the name of the show yeah robin big uh-huh yeah and the mini horse uh-huh yep oh, man that was a great show <laughs> And the, the, the bulldog rode the skateboard. Yep, the bulldog rode the skateboard. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, well, that was cool. Oh, um, man, that's awesome. That's um, show. Yeah. So, so yeah, so Preston, this is a dad talk. And we got, I got a segue into fatherhood somehow. So, okay. so you are a father. Tell us about um, that how many kids you have i have two girls 14 and 12 and they take after their mom uh -huh. Hallelujah. <laughs> no i'm serious mm -hmm. like this like when i found out i was having a i was having presley presley is the older oldest she's 14 like when i found out i was having a girl it scared me. I was like, God, I really, please do not have them take after me. Just, I, that's all I ask. You know what I mean? Like, just take after Ashley. And <laughs> hey, that happened. Just healthy and don't let them look at, like me. Um, so yeah, I have two girls. I have mm -hmm. no idea what I'm doing. That 14 and 12, you think I'm, they're in middle school. Yeah. And it, you know, it is something. Um, people ask me, like, oh, what? <laughs> I think the first thing about being a dad or a parent is the quicker you can, like, be humble and realize, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah. The better it is. Mm -hmm. And some people, I don't know, ever figure that out. You know what I mean? Um, I think we... I figured it out probably not as soon as I probably should have, but I think more so now it's like, that's what I told, you know, people being parents. Hey, just, you know, there's going to be a lot of people. They're going to want to have a lot of input about how you're raising your kids. First off, mm -hmm. right. Or want to get in your business in public. They don't even know you, you know, and your kids acting up like, you know, or family or friends or whatever. Um, 
And so, you know, I think be open to, uh, you know, people close to you in, in, invite to them, but keep in mind, no, you're, 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 uh, get advice and all that, but ultimately it's, you get to establish what parenting looks like. And that's like mm-hmm. the one thing, that's, that's like the one thing, man, in society is that separates a lot of, um, what happens when people are older? I mean, you know, what happens in your formable years? You know, I think for me, I in the really the last four or five years, uh, as my kids are getting, it's weird because, and I know I'm rambling, it's weird because as my kids get older, right, and they're in middle school now, I'm kind of reliving how I was as a middle school kid. Mm-hmm. You follow me? Uh, and yeah, so it brings up a lot of emotion. It brings up some trauma. It brings up some like stuff, right? Because it, it's like, oh man, when I was 14 or when I was 12. And so as my kids are kind of uh, going through their cycles of life, I think in, in a spiritual sense, that kind of happens, right? Is like you're kind of coming and encountering how you were raised you know, as you're raising them. And so like, it's, it's, there's some healing that happens, I think in a lot of ways, but it's also kind of scary too, because, you know, I look back and it's like growing up, like, well, if I ever have kids, I sure as heck aren't going to do that. Mm-hmm. You know? And so am, am I doing things now that my kids are going to grow up thinking, well, I'm not going to be like mom was, or I'm not going to be like dad was. So, you know, Sometimes there's a lot of pressure from that. But well, from what I've heard, yes, they're going to say that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like we're gonna we're gonna do things that uh, they're not going to like. They're going to be frustrated with um, the same way that like our parents, our parents did. I think you kind of put on like it's like sometimes we forget like life is like cyclical. Right. And so it's like, we're like, our parents did this with us. Now we're doing this with our kids and they're going to do the same things. And it's, it's pretty wild how that happens, you know? Right. Well, Ashley and I were just talking. It's interesting because you know where Ashley comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Like I come from a completely different place, right? I was the only child, you know, my, my parents, I love them. They're still together, but um, there was a distance there, you know what I'm saying? And we didn't really have a lot of deep, meaningful conversations. My grandparents pretty much raised me when I was younger, when both my parents were working. Um, and my worldview, I had a TV in my room, and my worldview of how everything is supposed to be uh, was HBO. And it was like... <laughs> Like boobs and death. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yep. That's pretty much the tagline for HBO boobs and death. That's what you're going to get. So for me, I didn't really have. So it was kind of like get into all kinds of stuff. Like literally, mm-hmm. when I got to high school, it was like, I mean, I was spending the night with, you know, the guys and we were sneaking out and doing all this kind of crazy stuff. And so, 
we're both bringing that into our marriage and then in parenting. And so for me, I'm trying to keep, I have a lot of scars. I mean, I looked at my first porno mag when I was like eight or nine years old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so the access that my, our kids have nowadays, you know, Ashley's kind of coming from one angle where it's like, wants more freedom because she didn't really have much, you know, freedom when she was a little bit younger. And then I'm coming from this and I'm like, hold up, wait a minute. You know what I mean? Like too much of that. And so our perspectives are very much different. And then how, you know, I mean, they're at the point now where I'm like, I walk downstairs and it's like, you're going out there looking like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. And where Ashley's like, you know, kind of grew up in some of that over obsessive purity culture thing. And so she's got that happening. And I'm like, I'm going to kill some boy. <laughs> wrestling with that much less that I don't, I don't want them to put themselves in position by how they're dressing. So for us, it's, 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 there's a little bit of friction there, right? And Ashley's like, well, you can't parent them thinking they're going to end up like you were. If we give them freedom, we have to trust them. I'm like, maybe, but um, so I don't know. That's the part of it that I think makes make me and Ashley a good team, I guess, because our perspectives are very different. At the same time, we got to protect the kids. It's also one of those things. My parents would drop me off at the mall and let me just run around for like two hours. I ain't doing that with two middle school girls in the world we live in. Yeah. You know, um, mm-hmm. It's just different. So that's the, uh, it's hard because you have the perspective we, we, you know, where we grew up in the world is much different, very similar in ways, but a lot more, we have a lot more access to things like social media and all that kind of stuff that we didn't have. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's interesting because, you know, for me, I'm the one that grew up with all this, with all the, like, the rigid structure and rules. And my wife, Carly, grew up with all the freedom. Right. It's pretty funny (laughs) to listen to you talk. And it's like, you know, just, just, you know, we're, we're the same, but different, you know, it's, it's hard. I think I want to come back to that thing where you were talking about they're in middle school now and it brings up how you were in middle school. And it's like, it blows my mind how much I think I'm viewing my kid through my trauma. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like I'm viewing what's going to happen to him based on what happened to me. And he's like three and a half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he's just like, he's new to this whole thing. But I'm just like, I think about like what I went through. Like, you know, what I went through is like a lot of just like outsider, outcast, picked on, just never, not a lot of value. And so, right. like, I'm viewing this beautiful little boy. And I'm just like, I have to like let go and like be like, no, he, he isn't me. And his story isn't written yet, you know, right. 
was the hardest thing to let go of because we have all this trauma that we're dealing with. Right. With, you know? Yeah. It, it, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's like I was having a conversation with one of my employees among my technicians today. And where I'm at now, you know, where there's attachment that comes right with relationships. And so, especially as a parent, we can get very attached and we don't want to lose them. We don't want, we don't want there to be lost. We don't want, you know, a lot of this. And I think even from a spiritual perspective, there's a lot of pressure as a parent, you know, um, I, I think Ashley feels that, you know, how she was raised, you know, and then obviously, you know, same here, you know, where I'm just trying to protect them from going the route that I did. But ultimately, I think I, I don't think from a godly perspective or whatever, like I used to think like I was worried, like God was like, if you don't do this, like, yeah, you know, like. But I think ultimately, um, I think we just set up guide rails. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what God ultimately wants, right? Is yes. that we protect our kids. We kind of show them what a spiritual life is, provide them freedom, let them figure it out. But ultimately, you know, from a spiritual perspective, that's between them and God. And God's got that, right? Like, yeah. And I don't, I don't think as a parent, there's really anything we can do to screw that up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Unless we're dumb, like if we're just beating our kids, you know, like unless we're just, if we have no, uh, but to a degree, I think if, um, and so it takes a lot of the pressure off, you know, like, yeah. Um, but at the same time too, it's like, okay, well, uh ultimately i still have to to set up parameters and things like that like you're saying about trauma it's uh that's the thing man because we we kind of look at the world through the lens of trauma a lot of times and then when our parent um it's almost like we're involved in their trauma more so than any of any other relationships that we have maybe other than a spouse you don't think you know like yeah Mm-hmm. Um, because as a parent, like that's, I think as a parent, there's a a, a a level of a sacrifice that we have to make every time you bring somebody else in your home with a wife, with a kid, another kid, another kid. There's you just there's a level of yourself you have to let go and give away, or it doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? Or you you you, move, you divorce or whatever, right? A lot of people aren't willing to to make that sacrifices so in doing that we kind of become part of their trauma as well as they're trying to figure it out in ways mm-hmm. and so we have our trauma trying to protect them from trauma and then when they go through things it's like it's just like a trauma party that ultimately god is very much a part of <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i just love that you said a trauma party <laughs> just all of us just like just sitting here, just sad, just frustrated and down and everything. Uh, 
Yeah. I'm not all like doom and gloom and like dark. Numbers. No, 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 no. I, I just, I just, the mental image just popped in my head of that. And I think, you know, yeah, it's true, man. I mean, we view our, our realities based on our life, like what we've seen. Like we like to think that we're seeing life as it is, but really we're seeing life as we've experienced it up till now. And mm-hmm. it's hard, like, it, man. You know, the best things in life come when you let go. Oh, right. Like you couldn't you couldn't be married to Ashley if you didn't let go and just give your heart to her. Right. Right and now. You, you've been with her for how long have y'all been married? Almost 19 years. Yeah. So you've spent 19 years with this woman that you love. Yeah with all your heart and you wouldn't have been able to do it unless you let go and that, but in the letting go, you're inviting the opportunity for something, you know, it's right. But you, you know, and same thing with a kid, like you have to let them live their lives. Right. (laughs) You know, it's easier. It's easier for me because he's three and a half and I can control a lot more. (laughs) Right. But it's still like, life doesn't happen through control you know life happens through freedom i guess that's what i'm saying right no i mean you're right and then that's the part freedom is like a a stick and bottom thing right because um you can blow yourself up with it (laughs) i mean there I go. Just going back to the dark, the darkness. No, because we we know, yeah, we know what life like. I mean, we only know life through our lens, but we know what's out there, right. and you don't want. I mean, we created these beautiful things. Yeah, we want them to stay that way, right? Yeah, and it's hard. Well, it's like you said. You, um, my brother-in-law, <clears throat> me and uh, Brandon, you know, they just had a baby, Brandon and Charlotte, uh, Brandon Bobbitt and Charlotte. You're talking uh, about Brandon Bobbitt, by the way, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, that name. So, Sorry, you just you just took me to uh, a place. My um, goodness. Anyway, so keep me, and I don't think they'll they mind me sharing this, but they just had a, they had a baby on February first. Mm-hmm. 10 years of in vitro and like uh basically this was like their last chance or to try and they got pregnant and uh brooks is doing great um but Brad and i went to a high school football game and it was like september october and he was kind of going through you know some stuff whatever we we're talking um, and I told Brian, I was like, look around. There was probably 10,000 people at this football game, right? Uh, like one of the biggest matchups, like, you know, it was Mill Creek and Buford. So it's like, you know, both of those are kind of ones in Hamilton Mill. So it was, it was a big game. And, uh, so we just started talking. I was like, Brandon, you know, the reality, look at every person here, this, the 10,000 people minus the very little kids. I said, the one th- the one thing that we all have in common is every person you encounter, every person here 
is processing some level of trauma, right? Mm -hmm. And that manifests in a lot of different ways and anger and all this kind of stuff. And I think from a, what is life and what is the purpose of us being here, I think is to help each other um, figure out how to love, right? And then also how, how can we help each other process their trauma and heal ultimately. But so much of what, how we live our life is we, we just, we just run around and, you know, think about ourselves and our own trauma. But then what happens is, Hey, this thing is just one big trauma party. It is. <laughs> that's the first time I've ever said trauma party, this podcast. And I'm like, that's, that's what's happening. And so like, if, if we just are, are aware of that um a lot of times but as a parent you're trying to protect them from having any trauma yeah right like how can i uh you know so we get very protective and you know and it's hard i mean and we just have to know that the you know life is is going to present you know challenges and stuff like that and so as a parent i think a lot of it is as they're going through that, um, you know, as they experience hard things, it's to help them process that. And sometimes it's very hard, especially as middle school dad, to get that, to get them to talk about it. And as long as they do that, we can help process. And that goes from, you know, adults even. Um, yeah, but. yeah, it makes me think of my dad. Uh, when you're talking about the trauma, because for all the things that I think you know, I was, I was born into this, you know, we were born into this church, whatever, and that's a whole that's a whole story. For well, there's there's your wife, there's Ashley, holy, or no, that's your daughter, that's my daughter. Come on oh, here, wow. Holy crap. This is Presley. What's up, Presley? I'm Roy. How you doing? This, this is Roy. Summer, come in here and see meet Roy. I told oh him. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah, this is Summer. Can you see? Come here. There's oh summer. wow. There you go. That's wow. Roy. Hi. How's it going? We're doing a um, podcast. It's called Dad Talk. And I get to share all about how I'm a terrible dad. Yep. <laughs> Are you shaking? Are you okay? <laughs> it's trauma. She's shaking. Yeah, look at her. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, this is the first. That's the first time kids have walked into a podcast. That's pretty cool really? in my podcast. But but what I was saying is like with my dad, like for all the things that like we had to do. Um, I remember when we kind of became eighteen he kind of let us just go you know, and kind of like figure stuff out. And the beauty of, of that was we always had a place to come back to, you know, right. and that was kind of the most powerful thing for me um, is just knowing I had a place to come back to, because I could take a chance. I could do, whatever it is I wanted to do, my, my life, man, has gone, it was not a, 
straight. It's not been a straight line. I mean, it's been twists and turns and all sorts of stuff, but I don't know. At some point they just let me do it, you know? And that was the best, that was probably the best thing for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think um, I was having a conversation with somebody that day. Um, um, as Christians, right, or you know, trying to follow Jesus, uh, you know, in Scripture it says that in Him we live and breathe and have our being, right? Mm-hmm. So my home is Jesus, right? And so what does that mean? What does freedom in Christ look like is I know I know my home, but I think I don't think we were meant to live these legalistic lives and like, you know, like uh, just be void of joy and whatever. I think mm-hmm. I think knowing where our home is, um, that freedom is, and there's scriptures all through that support that, but it's talking about um, everything's permissible. But hey, not even beneficial, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, as a parent, you know what I like. You just said something. I want Ashley, me and Ashley, to to, to be home, right? Mm-hmm. Not the building, not whatever, right? And so, but ultimately, our home is in God, right, or in Jesus. And so, as parents, um. Uh, I want them to be able to experience life. Um, but then also know that they can talk about things. They can come home and like, you know, vent or talk about, or, or there's a place where we, it's a safe place for them to help process things they're going through. And that's how I view it with, with uh, Jesus, right? Like, um, and we kind of came from a very legalistic place. But I don't think, you know, I think it's it's basically go and do, like be light, right, right? world, but know where your home is. Don't ever forget that, right? And you know, and I think that's as parents. Um, you said you you said you just said that. Like it sounded like your your parents did a pretty good job of uh, building that. And so, how can we build a safe place? Um for our kids while protecting them and then allowing them freedom uh, to figure out life. And then how do we help them process that, you know, along the way while we're processing, like as we, as parents are also processing life. So it's like, I think sometimes as parents, you're like, everything's fine. We're just whatever, whatever. But I think it's okay too, to agree to be able to share what you're also going through with your kids. Yeah, there's an openness there that I think is very healthy. Um, yeah, I don't think a lot of parents were open, like in the idea of like, I mean, like, I mean, we're we're figuring this out too, man, a little bit. So, like, we're gonna make mistakes, you know. Yeah, and I think there's an honesty that comes with that that's needed, right? I can get my charger. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, I'm, so I'm, I'm a school teacher. And so one of the things is like, whenever I make, I make a mistake, I remember I made a promise to myself that if I made a mistake in front of the kids, I would own up to it. 
Right. Um, because I thought there was power in that uh, because a lot of times teachers were these infallible things that you could never question. And I used to hate that. And I was like, I think kids need to see adults make mistakes, um, but then own up to it because th then they don't feel so bad if they make a mistake, you know? Yeah. Well, you just said something like, that's one thing that, um, the beautiful thing about openness, especially if you say, hey, I did something. Sorry, I'm trying to not let my phone die. Not um, but like the thing about openness is you're creating a space where um, we can practice forgiveness. Mm -hmm. like um for somebody that's not maybe as spiritually minded or something to have somebody that kind of is to say hey man i blew it <clears throat> or you know what hey i made a mistake i mean it's rare that even if you have somebody that well first off doing something like that and or being open in in society in general is uh, not something that's practiced often. You know what I mean? Oh, it's not, man. No, it's not. So I think the beauty of it is, is that if when we do that, we are creating a space where the other person can practice forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's one thing with our girls. Like, I think we're really big on is if we mess up we're going to go back and apologize you know we're going to make amends we're going to we're going to do that and you know it's like even people that you know it's really hard when you do that for somebody to say no i'm not going to forgive you unless it's something egregious right unless it's something like yeah correct mm -hmm. um i know for me it's really hard if one of my technicians comes up to me and says hey man you know, I kind of lied about this. I blew it. I'm going to be like, I know. <laughs> or sometimes, you know, right? Or whatever, but no. But you're like, you know what? I forgive you. You know? A, yeah. why, why did you feel the need that you, did I do something to make you feel like you didn't have the space, to be honest? You know what I mean? So we kind of address it and just trying to figure out, oh, why, you know, how, why did it happen? Were you embarrassed? Were you whatever? And then, you know, the cool thing about that is you just, you're creating, we're, we're just creating spaces to practice forgiveness, which is just a very, very uh, lost thing in society. So I think what you do, especially with students, because I was a teacher, you know, for a few years too, mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know that there's a lot of that happening at home, right? Mm -hmm. If, if a parent, I want to believe that, but I didn't grow up around that. I didn't grow up around, you know, my dad owning up to, or apologizing uh, for things. If he yelled at me or like, you know, whatever. Um, so I know I didn't grow up around a space like that. And so the fact that you're doing that with your, your students, man, that's huge. Because that might be the only space where they're actually able to see 
a grown adult doing that. And, you know, that, I think that's one of those things that it's easy to take for granted, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I do feel like with church, we grew up, that was, you know, something that was, I don't know. We did teach that to a degree, <clears throat> um, but almost a legalistic way. But I think from a space that you think about the world, like, I mean, if most of, you know, most, most of issues would be solved if we, if we did that, you know, mm-hmm. but we don't. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, very, it's like you were saying very rarely have I owned up to something and apologized have i not been at least forgiven in some sense you know or or if i've shown where i've messed up it's always met with like oh wow okay cool <laughs> that's nice it's nice to have someone like you know it's usually like all right cool this guy said that or my teacher my teacher makes mistakes but but it also helped it, it like built this trust between the kids because then they almost were just a little bit kinder to each other to them to each other you know right. because they saw it in me like because we you know we saw what other people did that we act accordingly and so the kids are doing the same from us you know right. if that makes sense and I mean, we even like, I even apologize to my kid. He's three and a half. And there was a time, I mean, there's been multiple times I've raised my voice and I'm I'm just like, look, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I don't know if he fully understands what's happening, but it's like, I'm overwhelmed. I had a long day of work and you're not going to bed easily. And it's frustrating. Right. You know, and and it's like both my wife and I are big on like if we are, you know, we don't want to do things just because that was what was done before, you know, and we want to create, you know, what is our way. But it's like, you know, he bothered, you know, he told our kids do things that make us angry and we're going to raise our voice or, you know, lash out. But I think what we've learned is like, like him seeing us lash out, but then like apologize and then like try to talk through it for next time is a pretty powerful thing. Right. I don't think, I don't think, uh, Hey, Ashley, you want to come say hey to Roy? Oh, she said she Jamie's on and no makeup on. So that is a big no, Roy. Um no, nah, it's all good. I'd well, say I mean, hey to her from, from the side. I think you know, like uh what you're what you're doing is creating a community of openness. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think of anything like you know what should church be or like whatever i mean i think ultimately it should be a community of that like openness and that we're we're able to help each other 
It's a trauma party. <laughs> a community of <laughs> life is a trauma party, man. Like church should be, you know, like I'm walking. I mean, I it's a refuge. You know, what I mean? yeah. Like be around a people, a group of people. Like, hello, I have this customer today that I, I just really wanted to gouge his eyeballs out because mm-hmm. he made me so angry, and I didn't. Like, I just think, like, if 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 we lived our life and just did that, somebody makes me mad and be like, I really want to gouge your eyeballs out right now, but I can't because I know it's wrong. Like, <laughs> um, if we were that open. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I think that's, that's kind of like, uh, and then it's, then we realize, hey, we're not that much different. Mm-hmm. You know? Um and then, and then you see the power yeah. of what openness does, because then, and somebody says, "I forgive you." Like, like those three words, mm-hmm. not to get overly religious or whatever, but those three words are are like very, very powerful because they unlock or cover over a lot of guilt and shame, <clears throat> and it usually ends there. If I did something wrong with somebody and I want to talk to them about it, and I say, you know what, dude, I blew it. And that person says, I forgive you. The trauma kind of ends there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It ends. Right? And then it's like, dude, let's just move on. It's just cool. No big deal. Right? Um, I mean, I think 80% of the things we like get wrapped up around aren't that big of a deal. You know, maybe murder and all this other stuff. You know, yeah. That's kind of a big deal. But most of the thing that the stuff affects, there I go again, uh, murder and like all the bad stuff. No, but I mean, I think the, the thing is we probably spend a majority of our energy wrapped up around A, things that are never going to happen or worried yeah. about things that going to happen or very, very like minor crap. No, that's um, 100% true. <laughs> yeah. And when you don't deal with the minor crap, it becomes a, it becomes a, tra- a trauma stew, just a stew of yeah. trauma. <laughs> so now, now we're at a trauma party eating trauma stew. Um, That's right. Yeah. No, it, it's true. <laughs> I mean, a lot of everything we're dealing with, our frustrations, our fear, our anger is based on things that we think are going to happen. I went right. down a rabbit hole. Two days ago, I was losing my mind and all of it was hypothetical things that weren't true. Just stuff that I was afraid was going to happen. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's even like we could simplify it into the fact that we get frustrated in traffic because we think we're going to be late or we think something's going to happen. Because we're in this traffic. Nothing has happened yet. Nothing at all has happened. But because we're sitting in traffic and because this is here, then this means this is going to happen and this is going to happen and this is going to happen. And then we start spinning out, right? Yeah. And if we, (laughs) my goodness, if we could like talk to kids about this stuff to like just let them like be like, you know, 90% of the things that you're freaking out about 
aren't going to happen. And the 10% of things that are going to happen probably aren't that going to be as bad as you think. Right. I, I well, mean, but that's true. But think about that for your life. I mean, is that, I mean, I can think about all the things like I've been scared of in the last few years or things that I've been frustrated about. 90% of it didn't come true. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. <laughs> I'm still here. We, we yeah. had a team, we had a team meeting uh, <clears throat> the other day with all my technicians and it was nasty. Traffic was terrible. It was raining. We had a really busy day. I mean, and I could tell, I could sense the, I was feeling it. I could sense the other guys feeling it. And it's funny because the word accountability was what I was going to talk about anyway, right? And I was like, listen, guys, I want to be honest. Today sucks. <laughs> like, I, I really, like, I'm trying to really want to be here, but it, the weather sucks. It's cold. We got a lot of work to do. Some of it's outside. Blah, blah, blah. I said, my thing I was going to talk about is accountability. Um, so let's talk about it. <laughs> but I'm, I mean, and it was kind of, it, it was kind of like, and then we talked about it. And I said, you know, accountability sometimes is if you have an install crew, two or three guys doing a, a big job and it's nasty weather, all it takes is one guy to say, hey, guys, you know what? I got a lot going on and everything inside of me doesn't want to be here right now. And the weather sucks and all that. As soon as you say that, you got two dudes there, right? They're going to be like, mm -hmm. I kind of feel the same way. And then it's like, well, hell, we're here. We might as well just suck it up and do the best we can. But it's like, I could have guys show up on a job. Everybody feel that. And then they ha everybody has a terrible day. They don't talk about it. But if you just talk about it, somebody just says, hey, here's what I'm feeling. The rest of the day is probably going to go a lot different. Yeah. And probably got three guys, two or three guys now that you're like, hey, you know what? It does suck. I don't want to be here, but I am here. And you know what? Let's just make the best of it. And so I think you know, you're kind of in this, you're kind of in the same spot as I am as a teacher. You know, you know dude, I had this conversation the other day with a kid with kids. I was like, look. I know you don't want to get up early. I didn't want to get up early either. I'm <laughs> tired. My kid was up all night and then I, you know, I didn't get a lot of sleep. All you had to do was just show up here, but still you had a rough morning. I get it. We don't want to be here, but we're <laughs> up. We're out of our house. We're here. So like, we can either like make it worse for ourselves or try to get through it in a positive way. What would you rather do? Is they try to get through the positive way. Like <laughs> the kids were so frustrated with me. It's like, all right, so can we please just get through this lesson? Like, all right, whatever. But then we did and it was fine. But it's yeah. like the more you're honest, because it's it doesn't have to be an elephant in the room, right? Right. We're all right. But, but it's like as soon as, as soon as soon as somebody says hello, like I think if you have a group, guess what happens, right? 
Someone saying, hey, I got, I'm trying to process some stuff and I don't really want to be here. I think it is in our nature to flock to that person. Yeah. And like, okay, you know what? Hey, I don't really want to be here either. But I ain't got nowhere else to go. So let's just, let's, and then what winds up happening is it's kind of like, hey, we're all at the Trump party. <laughs> we might as well. <laughs> we might as well. Trump party. Uh, I mean, be okay with it and help each other. Yeah. You know? And it's like that with being a parent because how many things have you tried to do as a parent have gone the way that you wanted it to go? No. <laughs> Nothing. No. Like most of the things you try to want to, you know, do aren't going to go the way you want it to. So you can either like <laughs> just try to force that square peg in a round hole or pivot and just be like, hey guys, this sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> let's let's try something else, you know? Yeah. Well, let me tell you like one of my biggest like like picking somewhere to eat. Oh yeah. I don't know how you do it with two no. middle school girls. No. And it's like one will pick something and the other one would purposely not pick it, even though they'll they're fine with it. They'll not mm -hmm. pick it because that's what the one that one wants to do. And so it, when it's mm -hmm. like, hey, honey, where do you want to go eat for lunch? I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't doing that. I'm not playing that game. Y'all figure it out. La, 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 la. Because I know how that's going to go. <laughs> uh, no. Then I asked, we asked, we asked, we asked him this the other day what he wanted for breakfast. And he picked the one thing that we didn't have. And I was just like, what in the world? Like, like, I don't even know when they ask me. Like, I'm not picky. Look at me. I, I literally, if you said, <laughs> hey, we're going we're gonna to go to the forest and pick bugs and then put them on peanut butter and eat it. Okay, fine. I'm hungry. Let's just go do that. Like, yeah. I, I, I got no qualms to that. Yeah. As long as it doesn't take us that long to find the bugs, I'm cool. But yeah, it's like, I'll just figure it out. As long as it's not mushrooms or spaghetti squash, I am fine. <laughs> Most of the time, I draw uh, the line of mushrooms and spaghetti squash, but I'll probably eat anything. But, um, <laughs> but you got to own up to it, man. You got to know, know when it like it doesn't work. And I remember one of my favorite memories right now with my kid was there was this huge train display at this place. And um, we were going to go to it and we had, we were like super excited about it. He woke up jazzed about some trains, all this stuff. And then we realized that it had closed a week before. And so uh -huh. I had to like scramble and I randomly found a train store, a model train store in norfolk which is like you know 20 minutes from our house yeah and it was this random little train model train store and it had but what was cool so here's what made it so special is we didn't know that they had a second floor where the city 
tra- model train club meets every week. And they had this giant setup upstairs of like an entire city, mo- like a model train city. Oh, and man. he comes up there and he was losing his mind. And I was like, this is amazing. And it was just, you could touch and play with everything. Cause that's what these, these, this club's all about. But, but like why I'm telling the story is cause it was like, you know, I could have been like, oh, this sucks and just gave up or just tried and pivoted and just been like, look, I'm sorry, this place is closed. Let's try this instead. Yeah. It became a cool, a cool memory for all of us, you know? Um, That's, that's one of the things that's hard. Um, watching your kids experience disappointment. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Yep. Especially when they've worked up like, a, you know, like excitement or maybe it's something they're really excited about and it actually turned out to be something like kind of wah wah or whatever, like it just whatever we or they try something and man like I just think about how many kids out there either from a single mom or like you know maybe it's a I don't know they're just or just a single parent situation or you know whatever that don't just have somebody present to be there when that happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because those are like very, very powerful moments when just to have somebody say, look, it's going to be okay. Like, hey, um, you know, it kind of sucks. Or, uh, hey, let's, you know, you're still great or whatever. And I think that's, that's the hard thing. And I know that as my girls are 14 and 12, I get three and a half. It's over like the train thing, you know, well at 16 and maybe over a boyfriend, right. Or uh, why did I say that? I don't even want to think about that anyway. Or <laughs> as they get older, it's more weight with the disappointment. Yeah. Right. It's heavier. Um, yeah. You know, we just, we just, I mean, this past uh, fall, um, across the street, like three houses down, um, there's a girl that was a cheerleader at the high school that my girls eventually will go to. Uh, She died in a car wreck, like in my neighborhood, girl, like in the neighborhood, 16 years old. And, you know, like, um, that really hit home, right? A, it's like right here. And B, these girls only a couple years older than, you know, Presley was 14. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, if there's siblings involved or like, uh, you know, like if something like that would have happened with one of my girls and then like now that, you know, the other one's still here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like what, um, just to have people there present, you know, like as you're, as you're going through that processing the disappointment, um, as a parent, 
uh, it's hard sometimes to see your, your kids go through that, right? Or a lot of times it's like, I know they're going to get old, older to where um, they're going to be processing that with me not around or not want me maybe involved in that because for no reason, you know, it's like their spouse or their mm-hmm. kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just that's hard. Or disappointment or bullying like if 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 you know because it's you just feel helpless in those situations there's nothing you can do you know like to a degree like oh yeah and oh (laughs) you know i remember (laughs) sorry joe harrison comes to mind joe and i talk all the time like weekly joe's like one of my best friends in the entire world but there's one time he was like, you know, man, I'm a parent. And I just realized that there, I, I literally have zero control over anything that's going to happen. And he was like, I think he said something to the effect of like, that's the hardest pill I've ever had to swallow. And I'm still trying to swallow it now. Just like I can try and try, try and try and try. And it's not going to, nothing's going to go the way to go you know he's yeah he's such a realist in in that sense but it's like we, we can't control anything and i mean it, i mean that's the things that keep me up at night also i mean i had a i had an irrational nightmare about because my son's about to start soccer oh wow and, and i had this thing about this little boy like pushing him to score a goal, like pushing him out of the way. And then this dad being like, yeah. And I'd be like, what, you know, and I'm like fighting this dad because his kid pushed my kid down. And I was like, what is happening to me? (laughs) You know, like it's, you you know, like I'm stressed out and he hasn't even started soccer yet. (laughs) bro i'll be having the i'll I'll be having the best day i mean this is a great day and then i'm driving home and i'm i'll like just have this thought like what if i go home and something crazy has happened to my kids like somebody's come in and messed with them or like or my wife or whatever and then i change what i'm going to do to the person and then it's like you know then it's almost like by the time i get home and everything's fine. I'm I'm expecting it to be a disaster. And I'm like, what what is ha- what happened in the last ten minutes in this this thing? Like, what what is going on? My gosh, like <laughs> it's, it's like it, I ne- I mean I mean I I thought about stuff like that. We all thought about like what's the worst that could happen. But but yeah, man, like <laughs> at least once a week that happens to me and i come home and everything's fine i'm I'm, why kick it's almost like a kick open the door being like all right you know yeah you just save and they're just like what are you doing you know (laughs) you like actually you watch too much hbo like what are you talking about like what like again it goes back to my world of you like it's like everything you know my my perspective of stuff you know is like but yeah as a parent and i think the thing is like okay 
So the three areas I feel like in my life where I have been tested, mm-hmm. my, my spirit has been tested, right? One is being a husband or being in marriage, okay? Being a dad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and my work and what I do. And so all three of those arenas are very sacred. But the beauty of it is one of the things that's really helped my relationship with God more than anything is being a dad. Mm -hmm. Now I finally have the perspective of how God feels about me, right? If I feel that way about my kids and how I want to protect them and by gosh, if I come home and like somebody's messing with my kids and like, you know, like whatever. Whereas I grew up, I didn't really grow up going to church, but my picture when I did go to church was that, you know, God was mad at me, right? Or he was, you know, you're just a terrible person or whatever. But being a dad or being a parent uh, really helps me get into touch with ultimately how I feel like, you know, our design with being parents and all that kind of stuff. Um, is how God feels about us, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, he'll by gosh, if somebody's gonna mess with us, he's gonna kick down the door, and you know, what I mean, like, like you're saying, like, do whatever, or if we blow it, or we just totally screw up, or like, whatever, and we come back and like, Dad, I'm sorry, whatever, like, I'm gonna forgive my kids, right? Now, there'll be consequences for some of those actions, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so I think that's one of those things that's very underestimated. No one ever really told me or like warned me about as being a dad is that the, the effect it would have on the spiritual side of how we view or how we get in touch with how God views us. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of the pressure off, I think, in a lot of, in a, in a lot of cases. Um, I think, yeah, you know, having... You know, marriage and stuff, it deepened my understanding about life and, and all of it. Um, <clears throat> but I think being, there's something about fatherhood that that forever changes how you're ever going to, to see the world, view the world, think about what's possible in life, you know? Yeah, it, it's hard to explain. And, and that's the thing that frustrates me because I've been trying to explain it for the longest time. I mean, this is my like, I mean, 30 something episode, but like 17th dad talk trying to figure this right. out. But you can't explain yeah. it. But there's just it just deepens it to a level that. I don't know. You just ah, things that you used to read in the Bible, you get differently. Right. Things like what you were saying. Um, movies hit differently. I was talking about how, like, um, I was watching a goofy movie um, mm-hmm. the other day, and that movie hit totally different than it used to. Yeah, because I'm a I'm a dad now. 
Like, and I'm like, you know, Max needs to chill out. His dad just wants to hang out with him, you know? Yeah, right. I never thought about that before before having Jasper. <laughs> right. right. Well, you know, it's, you know? Here's, what's, here's what's interesting. And as more I kind of, my spiritual relationship matures. So Summer, my youngest daughter, we're just having a rift or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to hang around before I go to work. Uh, because usually I'm, I'm gone before they're down and whatever. So I'm like, I want to hang around and whatever. Say bye to her. Um, mm-hmm. So I did. And I was like, hey, Summer, I just want to tell you I love you. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't hang around before I went to work to tell you and give you a hug. And she goes, she's like, I don't care. Oh, and, and I didn't hear her voice, but I had this thought come like just and it was like the spirit right well now now you know how i feel when you don't want to spend time with me i'm like mm-hmm. uh. and it's like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't from a place of judgment or condemnation. it wasn't like a, it wasn't necessarily to make you feel bad but it was mostly just a revelation like man that hurt right but it's also god saying you know, all I want to do is spend time with you. Yeah. Like, I, I, I want you to enjoy my presence. I want you to, like, um, just talk to me or just spend time, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I would never would have had that perspective. Like, I, I would have never had, in that moment, I never would have had that, um, I guess, revelation of, man, I in that moment I'm I'm kind of relating to how God, he, you know, by me not wanting to, or just you know not spend time or make time or whatever. Um, that's kind of how that feels, and yeah, and it's like wow, you know, there's so many moments like that where, um, you know, do something for your kid and your kid says, "Thank you." Or that's all I say. It doesn't, it's not like a going like just a gushing. It's just, hey, I've done something really mm-hmm. cool for my kid. All they say is thank you. And I was having this thought on the way home today. And I'm like, you know, um, if I just wake up every day and I begin my day by saying thank you, and I end my day saying thank you to God, if that's all I do. Now, throughout the day, I'm going to have stuff happen and whatever. But that's pretty profound because I know if Mike did that, if in the morning they're like, thank you, or at night they're like, I love you, thank you. And that's all they said. Like, like you know, I'm, 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 I'm a proud dad. Um, because what happens is, is like, I don't, from those moments, there's a lot that happens or they're engaged with that I'm not around or I don't see like school, their activities, uh, whatever. But if I heard that every day, I'm like, cool. I'm this, I'm this cool. And so it's like, you know, we grew up thinking we have to have these long winded prayers and all this kind of stuff. And like this, whatever, whatever. And I don't think, I think 
it's more simple than that. Um, you know, I think it's just a, a walking on gratitude or like whatever. And to be a dad, that's the cool part is because without being a dad, you know, I don't ever think I, I, it'd be very hard to manufacture that perspective or really, yeah. really, really relate to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were, um, I want to talk about power of gratefulness, but I also want to talk about just how positively, how positive kids affect your life. I mean, my wife and I were talking about that the other, it was like a month, months ago, because we were saying how, like, there's all these things, like our life has changed dramatically since we had a kid and all of it had has been positive. Like, and it was it, and all of it came from this idea of, or I guess it just focused on we were just less selfish and not selfish in like the mean way, but right. like before having a kid, all we really needed to worry about was ourselves. And it was like a lot of instant gratification, but we were like listing off all these things that we were have been able to do or the way our life is because that we're parents now. And it was like overwhelmingly. And the fact of not of having something that you have to take care of. It just right. changed everything, which was so wild. Yeah. And you, you just don't. And it's, and it's probably maddening for people who don't have kids to hear that, that don't understand it. But it's just having someone to take care of just shifts your perspective. And right. it, it almost makes you better. Like, I think, like, things like I go to the gym more now because i want to be around a lot longer now right and i want to be able to do things with him you know i want to save money because i want to provide for him and do things that are fun yeah um, so there's that and then so yeah but then like with being grateful you know, I do this thing every day. I'm kind of lucky. I always, God, I always, I say this probably every day. Like I get to drive over this bridge and to one side is a river and the other side is the Chesapeake Bay. And it's a really cool view and it's a beautiful just kind of moment. And every time, and it's, it's right after I leave my neighborhood, I take this left. And as soon as I crest the bridge, I always say I love my life, mm. no matter what. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like, I love my life. <laughs> my life. Uh, it's, it's almost like I'm telling myself that, like I have to say it like five times. Yeah. But it's this tiny little phrase that like, I don't know, man, it just clicks something in us. And it's yeah. that there's power in like 
expressing your gratitude with words that, you know, is that's why we love it when our kids say thank you, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I love that. Like, it, it's like, a, you know, I run, so at church I have, I will kind of run the parking lot team, which is perfect for me. I just hang, you want to go hang out in the parking lot? Hey, you want to go to the parking lot? Like, I used to say that, like, we'd be like, yeah. No, no, no. It's yeah, like, like, yeah. Well, <laughs> Rain or Shine, we're having to, like, kind of direct cars and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, we had, so my thing is, like, trying to just, because, you know, we get there early, you know, whatever, get the energy up. And so, I had our pastor order these. We had these like bright yellow safety vests that barely fit any of us. So it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Um, it was like an extra large, but it was like a Filipino extra large. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, really, it's like I need to be a 4X, like, you know. Um, anyway, so, and that's not a knock against Filipinos. It's just, I don't, there's not a ton of big Filipinos, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm picking up what you're putting down. Anyway, so I said, like, let's get these vests, and we're gonna get smiley patches to go on the, you know, like we're gonna, you know, uh, sew on these smiley patches, and then on the back we're gonna get a bit of a big smiley patch. And so all about this, oh my we're gosh, gonna the, we're gonna be the smile team, and. Uh, I don't know if you remember this movie with Sylvester Stallone called Over the Top. It was like an arm wrestling movie. Do you remember Come that? on, Over the Top. He had the he had the machine in the truck that he <laughs> right, would help right. him yeah. like practice. So there's that part in there where he's like, you know, he he's getting ready to like get after the 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 big guy. You know what I mean? Like, and he's like, turns his hat around. Mm-hmm. It does like one of those. Yeah. Because I have this thing where I just, it's like a switch. I turn my head around and that's a terrible, that's just a lot of impersonation. Okay. But, but the whole point is, is like, he's this little guy compared to these big guys. And then it's like the thing that, the thing that, man, I got cats fighting. Anyway, it's like the switch <clears throat> that happens, but he puts, he puts the hat on. And then he just takes care of me and goes, I feel like I'm a truck. I feel like I'm a machine when I do that, you know, but it like changes his mindset. And so like, I'm like, all right, <laughs> I sent that clip of over the top to Joel. He's like, I want to do this with the, the parking lot. I want to like, the, 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 when we put those vests on, you know, like the patch, it's like, like mm-hmm. can't help but to make yourself be in a good mood. Like how how can you put on a, the most ridiculous vest with a smiley patches on it and just be in a bad mood? You can't do it. Yeah. Saying what you know, like having a rhythm of doing that with you know crossing the river. It's like even if it comes mundane, it's very powerful. Like it's just that reminder, hey, you know, um, and just gratitude. Like you know, you like. Even in the, the uh, doing a gratitude journal, just writing down three things you're grateful for every day. 
Those are all things that are very powerful things that are very simple, but can kind of change a, tra- a trajectory. For me, it's laughter. Yeah. Like if I'm, I'm just having a, and I do that with my kids too. Like we can be going after it and I'll just try to make them laugh. If I can get them to laugh, usually we can, we can, we can reset. So for me, it's funny because I would like the other day, I was just having a bad day. It's something, I forget what it was. And I just started laughing. And I was like, no, I want to be angry. I don't want, I don't want to be happy. I was, I just want to be like stealing my filth of trauma, you know, whatever. Um, but laughter is that way. Um, you know, those are all like, you know, but, but what you said was very key. Saying things verbally, I think is really important. And especially kids, just saying, I love you. Like, you know, we could be going through it and like, you know what? I, I, I love you. Like, I just, I just want us to get through this, whatever it is we're going through. But when you verbalize stuff like that, it's very powerful, you know? And that was what was so powerful about, I mean, I know you went to camp, but like, it's hard to, it's hard to talk about verbalizing gratitude and, for us and not talk about the ring of honor you know yeah um, to get a bunch of dudes together and you just look at another dude in the eye and say this is what you mean to me right like yeah. where else in the world do two guys do that no and the, like the craziest one is when like the eight-year-olds do it yeah. to, like some they can't even get it out you're like <laughs> You, you shared you shared your toy with me and I just so cool. It was the best, man. And I think that like I don't know. I want I want my, my son to, to do that. Yeah. I don't know. Oh man, you gotta like because it switches, man. I think that to, it was I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday when it was the worst morning I've had in a while. And I'm just like grumbling. I love my life over the bridge, but verbalize it just, it just clicks something in my brain. Yeah. No, but you know, verbalizing, verbalizing our, our love and gratitude is it's, is it, it's as powerful as forgiveness. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. And I think if our kids see that, They're probably going to do it. At least we hope they will. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I was having, I was, dude, like, one thing I would definitely not recommend to anybody is starting a business right before a pandemic, like a global pandemic. Like, <laughs> like anyway, <laughs> so I, and I forget when it was, but I was just having a moment. And mm-hmm. the other thing with that, too, is like, in my prayer and whatever, like I let it out, like in times when I'm really frustrated or whatever, like I don't, there's no home smart. And so like I was driving mm-hmm. home the other day or not, this is, this might've been, I don't mind a year ago. I don't know anyway, but I had this moment where I'm just like driving and I'm frustrated and I'm like just feeling the weight of financial stuff and family and like the world, like whatever. And I just got angry at God. I'm like, 
why did you create a place? Like, why in the world did you even like, why me? Like, why, you know, you know, I'm just, I'm just really frustrated in a, in, in a prayer. And I'm like, why is this, why are we even here? Like, why? And God said, why did you have kids? Like, why did you choose to have kids? Why did, would you change the decision to have kids? Even if there's terrible things that could happen and all this. And I'm like, oh, no, I wouldn't have changed it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so I think that's the other thing too, is like, um, like you were saying, just uh, watching our kids get emotional or whatever. Like, I think God is offers the space for that because then there's communication, mm-hmm. right? If I wouldn't have been frustrated, I would never, I would never have had that like conversation back, right? It's similar to when when it was the what I guess talking about of. Now you know how I feel. And I think, mm-hmm. so prayer, prayer, like what winds up happening is just a conversation. You know what I mean? And then, then you're able to kind of practice that with your kids. Like, look, if you're frustrated, just, I don't care. I'd rather you get it out. I'd rather you just vocalize it and then we can deal with it. But what concerns me is when you don't say anything and that's kind of like, when, um, I just want my kids to be on freedom to do that, you know. Dude, that's so that's so powerful because <laughs> so we're you know, you, you talked about space. I think a lot of times we don't feel like we have space to feel what we're going through, you know? And I think uh I get to witness that on a uh a very like um, witnessing it in a three and a half year old <laughs> is very powerful yeah. to watch how they, how they kind of feel what they're going through. You know, um, we, we allow, we allow him to have space to, to, mm-hmm. to kind of yell and it, and it's hard. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to have space because we immediately want to stop the emotions. Like that's my first inclination, yeah. you know, is to stop the emotion and stop it. But we, we let them feel it. And a lot of times it's, it, it becomes just such a, it's hard. It's, it's terrible. But once the space is provided and you let it kind of wash over we let it wash over him. Then there's the time when he kind of talks to us. And Ooh. it's something that like, as an adult, I don't know how to do right. Like I don't, I get my, my therapist calls it the elephant. Like I'm, I'm trying to like, I'm like riding an elephant and the elephant in my emotions. And it just starts to take off. And, you know, you think about trying to control an elephant, it's not, you know, that's impossible. Well, that's because I was never taught there was space for my feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And it's just a powerful thing to have because when we kind of ride that, we ride the emotion a little bit, then it kind of breaks down and then we see why we're really upset. And then we also see like for you, that moment of like, you know, You there? Yeah. There we go. Sorry. You're good. Yeah. Yeah. I I lost you when you said, uh, for you, what did you say right after that? Did you hear my thing about the elephant riding the elephant? Right. And just takes off. Yeah. But I was saying like when there's space for that, then when you ride it, and let it kind of kind of go for a little bit, then some clarity shows up and you see what's really going on, you know? Right. Mm. Absolutely. Like I studied psychology mm. uh, in college. The main reason I told people I studied that so I could figure out what was so wrong with me. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work. I had a professor mm-hmm. and it was so profound. And, you know, he had boys. And so he said, hey, we started talking about like um, uh, resolving conflict. They said, this may be like, y'all may think this is crazy. He said, if my boys get an argument and I see what's going on, he goes, I'll let them beat the crap out of each other until they, you know, they're like not going to kill each other. But he said, I will give them the space to go past the point mm-hmm. on purpose because then I can be there to help replay all the steps at which they could have chosen to not go there. But he said, if I would have jumped in and saved them from going there, they never would have learned. And so yeah, I, was, I don't remember a lot of college because I was doing a lot of drugs and like, you know, other stuff, but I remember that class specifically and he said, Hey, and I thought that was one of the most profound things ever mm-hmm. because basically he said, if I don't give them the space to beat the crap out of each other, it, but it's safe, right? Like I want to make sure they're not going to kill each other. As long as they're not weapons and I'm just pulled out. Yeah. I know it's safe. Um, and I'm there. I'm going to allow them to kind of like, go through it and then but i'm also gonna be there to be a meeting afterwards to help them hey next time what could you have done better um and i thought that was so profound that like when i was 19 or 20 years old you know um but it's like one of those things where you're like um i get it like if if we just jump in and try to save our kids from every conflict or every situation, then how are they ever going to really learn? Or how are they going to learn, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. what in a safe place, how are they ever going to learn how they could have made different decisions? That's true. Um, you know, as, far as, as far as you know, I want them to get hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Space is important, man. 
if I don't feel like I have space or time to feel whatever it is I'm feeling, I start losing it. And I think kids are the same way. And that's powerful stuff. It's funny. Like I have like a bunch of questions that I usually ask, but we've like, we just kind of like dove deep really fast and it's been like pretty cool. It's been almost yep. like two hours of us Let's like going through it and it's like Let's profound things. Yeah, you want to do like a rapid fire on the questions? Like well, it's I could be like <laughs> so like one thing I like to ask is like what's the funniest thing about being a dad? Funniest thing? Yeah, what's the funniest thing about being a dad? The funnest thing is I probably should be arrested being a dad. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. I'm a lunatic, man. I should be a dad. I don't yeah, that's true. <laughs> You are a lunatic. I'm sorry. Like I was telling, I was telling, I was on the phone with John Nelson and we were, I was talking about, uh, I mean, this was a long time ago, Preston. You probably don't, don't even remember this, but uh, <laughs> there was this, this rock in Kennesaw that all the kids in the college would spray paint all the uh-huh. spray paint their names well, I thought it'd be pretty funny if I just sprayed random words on it. So I got like Jimbo and uh, my brother. I think Teddy did it too. So both my brothers and Jimbo Nelson and we got up and we spray painted the word poop on the rock. And uh, I remember I showed up to a, it was like a Friday night Devo or whatever. And I had you and Joe were in my car. And <laughs> Joe, Joe was like always Joe's always been my like barometer of like I probably shouldn't have done that like in my life. But then like you just whispered, you were like, I heard you. I think anybody has ever said it about me. Yeah, like, no, Pre- no. Preston's always been my barometer. Said, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah no. But anyway, so like you were like, you whispered, like, I heard you spray painted poop on a rock today or the other day. It's like this excites me. <laughs> anyway, that's awesome. I'm yeah. Surprised. Um, <laughs> in a pink. Yeah. No. Yeah, we wouldn't. Have. <laughs> I have to find my questions now. Hold on a second. I went too far back. Um, is there anything that you? Th- think you would have done over as a dad so far um i think when i was younger i was trying to find my identity either through work right and when i was a team coach or then i sold insurance or whatever stuff i i feel like um uh uh through all that it was kind of like you're just searching for yourself and i think if i could have gone back and done anything different it would have been just being okay with my identity being a dad okay yeah first first and foremost Mm -hmm. before trying to make the money and make a name for yourself and kind of do all that i think that you know maybe my focus um 
as you go out into the world, maybe, maybe that, that's definitely one thing. Now it's more so I'm a husband, I'm a dad. Ultimately, my identity is in Jesus, right? And then, then I'm a dad, I'm a husband, I'm a dad, and then whatever else comes later. So I think that's one thing I'll maybe, I wish I would have got that on more straight, you know, sooner. Yeah. But well, grateful that I'm able to, to get that now. Some people may not get that until later after. So that part of them, I'm, I'm grateful yeah. that I'm there, but I wish I would have got there earlier. Yeah, that makes sense. I get that. What was something that was like, what's been the easiest thing? And what I mean, like easy, like just something that like, it's almost like it just clicks. Like, it's almost like you, you do it without thinking being a dad. Um, I like, I like, I like giving gifts, mm-hmm. you know, like I think one thing um, I, I feel like I get fairly easy. I think it's more so of, I get it probably from my mom. My mom was one who was always like a good gift giver. But I do think one thing that comes easy is just like having a thought, man, I want to get something for my girls today. Mm-hmm. Surprise them with a gift. You know, I guess that's would be one of my love languages. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I, that's and having fun, you know, like just, you know, just, having a plans, just picking up and doing something spontaneous. Like, Hey, let's just go do this. Um, I think those are, th- those would be two, two areas that I feel like come natural. If, if anything. Mm-hmm. What, what do you view your role is as a dad? Um, I think a protector, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I never like when I, to be honest with you, when I ever envisioned myself of being a dad before I was going to be a dad, I thought it was going to be boys, right? I just thought I'd have boys and be at the ball field, and that's kind of like what I was used to growing up with my dad. <clears throat> and then I had girls, right? And so, I mean, I think if I had boys, sure, being a protector might have or might not have been like one of the. But that's having being you know having girls. I think ultimately it's to protect them, mm-hmm. protect emotions, you know, protect them like from, you know, people like who I was when I was their age. Um, but I think ultimately it's, it's that. And then just, you know, being somebody that they can run to. Yeah. If ever a certain situation, I just want them to be able to run to me and actually, um, before they run anything else, right? Other people, drug, whatever. But if I can do those things, then I guess that would be considered a success. And then also show them too, like what, what it means to love God, right? And, and how to display that. One thing that's really big for us is looking out for people or, or different communities within our community where we can go and help or volunteer and things like that. So like, I guess those two, three areas, you know, mm-hmm. a place that they can run to, and then also show them what a Christ-like life looks like. 
um, not so much going to church, but just living it, right? And just, you know, be willing to drop what you're doing or sacrifice or just look for ways in our daily life or outside of that where we can, you know, uh, help people where, where there's there's a need. That's cool. So you you mentioned being raised by your grandparents. What was your dad like? What was that? What was my dad like? Sorry. Yeah, what was your dad like? And is there anything that he does that you do? Have you oh. caught yourself doing? It's funny you say that, right? Because my dad ran a business growing up. Mm-hmm. And he was successful in that um but he wasn't really present a lot right um and it's funny because i i I share this because i'm like you know and i didn't really see this as you know i looked at like hey dad's just not really around a lot or like whatever and so there was resentment but when i was selling insurance one of the accounts that I wind up having um, was my dad was retired, but I, I handled the benefits for his old company. And, you know, it was like one of them deals where you sat down each individual employee to make sure their benefits and their insurance and all that was good. And it was like every, the ones that had been there, it was a lot of it was the same people that was there when I was a kid running around, but mm-hmm. one by one, and share stories about my dad that I never knew about, but how he stepped in and took care of them and kind of all that. Now, from my perspective, it was just, hey, dad was never around. He didn't really say, I love you a whole mm-hmm. lot, ever. But, you know, seeing that, and then it's like, I'm doing the exact same thing my dad did. Hmm because I'm running a business, right? And I have employees I'm taking care of and I'm not around maybe as much as probably maybe my girls, but it's like, I know he loved, it It was through all that I've really realized and some of my healing has come from, I knew my dad really loved people. You know what I'm saying? And so from the perspective, you know, my dad not be around as much, and then now I'm doing the same thing. It's like I told, you know, around Christmas, I said, Dad, you know, I'm doing the same thing you were doing. And I love you. I forgive you. You know, and so there was like this. It's interesting now. I find myself doing what my dad's doing. And there's been a lot of healing from that because I'm able to forgive my dad because I understand what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? Um, even though he, his, his way he expressed his love is maybe not the same way I'm doing it with my girls. Um, yeah. So um, my dad and I had kind of a, a rocky relationship growing up because a lot of our conflict resolution was shouting or yelling at each other. <laughs> um, but now it's like we're best friends. You know what I mean? And I think a lot mm-hmm. of that happened with me uh, letting go of some of that resentment and changing in my relationship with God helped with that and helped to process that. But as I'm growing older now at 43, 
gets even deeper. It's kind of like, ah, no. You know, I forgive my dad because I really see how much he loved people. Mm -hmm. That was a really long way to answer that question, I think. (laughs) No, I think, no, you said it. It's good. It was very good. You know, we all keep doing what our, our parents did. But we also get to see the whys. Like you get a glimpse, like you got a glimpse into seeing the whys of what your dad did. And that kind of broke some of the, sounds like it broke some of the anger away for you. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, now I see that deep down. Mm-hmm. My whole life, it's I've in a lot of ways respected my dad because I've had this yearning to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. But I see a lot of it was that, you know, it was ingrained in me, you know, like to to sh- be a shepherd and love and do all that, and mm-hmm. uh, and and so like now it's kind of like um, that's kind of like carrying on the good parts of my dad you know, that I, I've kind of able to see or see from a perspective of, hey, all these people came and sat with me and told me all these stories of the entire time I was growing up that I never saw. Mm-hmm. I never, you know, I never heard these stories, you know. Um, I kind of heard some from my dad and he would say, Hey, I got to go help so-and-so, or I got to go do this or that. But then to hear the, hear, hear the first person account, the actual people that were, he was helping, um, that was pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's funny how in the same way with having girls, me growing up, I didn't have the best um, I mm-hmm. didn't have the best outlook on girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You follow me? So yeah. now, like, you know, <laughs> you know, now it's like, man, some of my healing has come from, and I'll say this because I'll be open. Like, I don't want to watch pornography as, mm-hmm. like, because I know I have girls. I don't, some of the things I struggled with or that I was exposed to as a younger age and how I viewed women, you know, I think perhaps me having girls has allowed me to help heal from some of that because now my view of women is different because I'm raising women. Um, and similar to how that kind of happened with my dad, you know, so like, First part of my life, trauma, 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 or I was causing trauma, trauma, trauma. And now it's like, and I think God is like very merciful and just and how how he allows us to go through things to heal from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was listening to somebody the other day. I said, like, God's going to give you a life that. Uh, it's very different in areas to like, cause it's like in our mind, we want, we want a wife that is just how we want. Yeah. But God will give us a wife of what we need, mm-hmm. which challenge us in areas that maybe we need really help or guidance in. And I think that's how we, me and my wife are. 
Um, if I had somebody, if I was married to somebody just like me, dude, we would be living in a van by the river. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's almost uh, like you were supposed to have girls. Like the healing came from having girls. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. I believe it's, that. I, I believe that. <laughs> Hundred percent, and I think that's the. You know, I wrestled with that when they were younger because I'm like, I just I don't know how to, you know, like I'd, I'd be at these dance competitions, and <laughs> Ashley would be backstage with some like Presley was dancing, Summer was with Ashley, and it'd just be me like hanging out for four hours in this auditorium, and I feel like I like was so awkward. I didn't know what I was doing. I yeah. feel like shirt that says i promise i have a daughter here you know what I mean? it's like all right <laughs> <laughs> i think about that even when i'm a teacher like when i go to things like look sorry i have a class i'm here don't freak out yeah that's um, funny that's funny <laughs> but no man it's uh i trust the design right yeah. i trust trust the process. I trust the plan. And, you know, I think as you, with your son, I think, you know, him being three and a half, there's probably some of that that's going to happen as he gets older. And maybe there's stuff you reflect on in your dad. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And uh, I think that's the beautiful thing about, you know, how life is designed and that um, I don't know that I would have, experience certain things or emotions if I had boys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing too is I feel like I get here later is you know I grew up playing music and playing sports. And so like for a lot of it I gave up the music because it was really hard to do both. But with girls, I feel like later in life, because I asked Presley's doing dance and Summer's doing gymnastics and some other stuff. Like, I'm kind of getting back in touch with that music side, right? Kind of becoming whole. You know what I mean? Like, that's cool. Um, as like, I know you were kind of do the balanced male podcast. I think you're doing that for a while. But I think ultimately, becoming whole means is that you know, as Paul says, we become all things to all men. Like, mm-hmm. um, we we we're uh, encompassing a lot of different um, emotions and like things truly becoming whole. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. I have the urges to like, you know, chop down a tree or like go work out or like do all this. But then also too, there's, there's the artistic side of create creativity portion of it. And in our society, I think a lot of times it's, you know, oh, a guy doesn't do that, you know, like do only this. But I think holiness or becoming whole is being able to appreciate all of that. And so having girls kind of has kind of helped me kind of, you know, come back in contact with a lot of the artistic creativity or I didn't wear anything. I didn't have anything pink in my wardrobe until I had girls. That out, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, that that part of it's kind of cool too. Yeah, I think um, 
I mean, balance for, for us as fathers comes from, you know, honoring all the parts of us, you know, I think for me, I honored a lot of the artistic and creative side of me for the longest time. That's just, that's all I knew. I didn't play sports. I didn't do like the, these physical things. And I think it's kind of interesting as I, as I kind of think about like with you, with like you having girls gave you balance, me having a boy gave mm-hmm. me balance as well. Cause I have to engage with a different side of me that I didn't really engage with a lot growing up. I mean, it was all music. It was all creativity. It was all this, this other, the other energies. I mean, in us is masculine and feminine energies um, that we have to kind of balance out, but it's just interesting how, how it all works out, you know, and maybe that's the reason I'm having a boy is to engage with that side of me more to give me balance. And, and, you know, when we're balanced and, you know, for me, balance always comes from just feeding the things and honoring the things that you need in life. Like I can only, I can only like give to my family like um, when I've given to myself, you know? Right. And so I kind of went on a tangent, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool how that all kind of works out. I never really thought about it that way. Well, and two, I think our spouses do that as well. Right. Mm-hmm. In a lot of like, yeah. Um, you know, like, I mean, it's interesting because it's funny because as Asher and I have become closer, you know, over time, um, I believe like we, we become meshed. We become mm-hmm. like the best parts of me become uh, maybe fill in the gaps for her yeah. and the best part to her fill in the gaps for me. And so if you look at the, the whole story of the Bible, you know, from beginning to end, from, you know, Christ being in the bridegroom and then also like, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, a lot of the stuff we weren't really taught growing up in church is there is that balance, right? There is, you know, the overall energy and the balancing, you know, and out of balance that happens and that, you know, there's like mm-hmm. all like, um, and so I struggle too with, you know, I think God is all things, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Um, and so I think uh, if we're open to it and we can see how everything kind of fits, um, we can kind of, we can trust, you know, Hey, that I'm given what I need. Right. Yes. I have chances to make, I have opportunities to make choices for things and all that. But even if I make bad choices, God's, God's going to correct the path Mm -hmm. in, in, in whatever way. And, um, you know, I think with, with our marriages, with our kids and stuff like that, a lot of times, you know, if we are out of balance, God is going to provide things along our journey to help us to balance us out, to really yeah. get to full. Mm-hmm. So that part is kind of cool. It is. Even though, even though our brain or our mind, we think it may look differently, you know, whatever happens or whatever comes, um, trusting that, yeah. you know, uh, is hard. 
but I think ultimately that's um, as we get older, it's easier to do than when we were 19 years old or 20 or whatever. Um, totally. Somebody was telling me the other day, like every time in the Bible, wherever there's a judgment of God, there's always mercy. Mm-hmm. Wow. Usually, totally. You know, and usually that mercy that, that is, is documented is always greater than what the judgment would be. And, and that part of it is pretty profound. If you kind of look at the different, if you look at Job, for example, as a, as an example of that, he had it all and then he lost it all, but then he was given twice as much as he had before. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if we go through things or kids go through things, whatever, if we trust, whatever, if we trust the processes there, I believe there's always something better. Mm -hmm. Um, And our God's will never really make a whole lot of sense when there's bad stuff that happens to us Mm -hmm. or our kids. Um, But I think in the the end of all, you know, if we, I think it will make sense. Um, It usually does in time. It sucks sometimes in the process of it, but you know, I'll tell you this, man, like just running a business in the last four years, I've learned more about myself, good and bad, than I ever wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes maybe the mistakes we make as a parent or the mistakes that we make in general, um, and as long as we turn back, you know, kind of to God, that uh, there's never a wasted failure or never a wasted mistake you know there's always something after it or behind it <clears throat> you know it, it's never it's never yeah i mean moving from georgia and leaving everything i knew i learned everything about myself too and you know when we look back at these things that we thought of as failures or they always led us to something better you know yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and it's like the, the hard part is, you know, I think the, the, we want to figure, we want to know it all and figure it all out. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what I've landed on or where I'm at now is I've given, I've been given, the most important parts that I need to know outside of that, there's some mystery and like, like, I don't know that makes it fun. Yeah. Um, but our human brain, it's like, I want to know everything that's going to happen. I want to know, like with my kids, I just want to know it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Well, in God's grand picture, his will it is going to be okay now it may not look like in the moment how i want it to look um and then having kids is hard because you're just like man uh if something happens to them i don't know if i'm gonna be okay with it <laughs> you know or something you know or something. but I, I do think um it's it's 
that's the beauty and the joy of it, the mystery of it. You know, being a parent is like one of the greatest things ever, mm -hmm. the scariest things ever, and the most rewarding things ever, uh, and the hardest things ever. It has everything. It's everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's everything. So, <laughs> so we've been talking for two hours, by the yeah. way. And that like, it goes, it goes like that every time. Any last words about parenting, fatherhood, anything? Um, you know, if anybody's listening, whatever, I think just know that we all go through the same things. Yeah. You know, I think when we all have our own house, mm. we all live in our own little part of the world and maybe our kids go to this one school. You know, sometimes I think a lot of times it's like we can feel isolated. Like, Oh my gosh, we're like the only ones going through this. This is the exact same conversation we actually had the other night is we're not alone. Um, and honestly, it's like, we were talking about who are we going to talk to about this or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? we probably can just go to a PTA meeting or just any meeting. And there's people there we don't even know. And like go up to some random person and say, Hey, we're struggling because we got middle school kids and we don't know what the hell we're doing and we need help. And you know what? <laughs> Somebody probably will say, Oh my God, we were just talking about the same thing. Like, we're in the same boat, you know? And so I, I, I say that to say, like, I think a lot of times too, is we feel like, Hey, there's sometimes as a parent, we feel like, man, this is so unique. Everything mm -hmm. we're like, what we're going through is like so personal or so different. And the reality is it's really, yeah. And, um, and I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier about community and that I think if we create a community of openness, we also create a community where we can be better parents, right? Yeah. Or help each other um, collectively, <clears throat> you know, because the reality is, is like, you know, uh, I hear this a lot. Oh, well, this generation is so different. And my gosh. You know, they've been deprived of so much because of the pandemic and whatever. Well, there's also, right, there's also a space there where it's one of the first times in my life that I can remember where we've all gone through the same thing together. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This global pandemic or whatever. Well, guess what? Everybody in the whole world went through that together. So what does that mean? Well, there's a commonality there that probably whatever we're going through somebody there's probably likelihood somebody else is going through that and so how do we uh create a place in our community or spaces that we can kind of have an openness either through church or through you know a community group or whatever there's a lot of opportunity for that and so my my i would encourage you know anybody like hey 
you know, create a space, create, you know, maybe it's uh, through the school or through a neighborhood or something like that. Parents able to come together and say, hey, how can we work together to make something better for our kids collectively? Um, you know, I know whatever I'm going through as a parent, somebody else down the streets probably going through the same thing. But a lot of times we we isolate and think, oh my God, you know, who can I talk to? <clears throat> um, and I think we realize, hey, all it takes, like you were saying with your students, just being open. A lot of times it's so rare that another parent's going to be like, oh my God, I went through the same thing. Like I was really thinking about killing my kid the other day. <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or I call that a Tuesday. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I think that's like, that, that's one of the things I think is, you know, when we go through things as a look, if you look at history, because that's what I taught, right? When there's a world war, not saying we're going to go to World War Three or whatever, but whenever there's moments in time where collectively the world is going through something together. Usually, on the back end of that, there's a prosperous time, or there's a there's a there's a revival that happens, or there's like a, there's there's a there's a time of healing or whatever. Like you look at the Roaring Twenties, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, those those types of things. Um, and so, I think a lot of times too, like I think there's a lot of opportunity that we sometimes just don't see that um, sometimes it could be a spark, somebody saying this or opening this or opening this door or like whatever. And uh, <laughs> that's what we're trying to do, you know, at least in our, like one of the things we're, we're thinking about doing in our neighborhood, like we have two neighborhoods together that ultimately do the same thing, <clears throat> but maybe this summer doing a, uh, which has never been done since we've been here, doing like a festival or maybe there's, we know we have musicians in our neighborhoods, right? Is it, you know, where we can do a neighborhood concert with a market where people bring their crafts and do all this kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Or little things like that that create community or then it makes it easier to like see somebody and be like, hey, I know you got girls or boys or whatever my age. How are you doing with that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know how it is there, but in our neighborhoods here, it's like, we don't know anybody really. We may know people here and there or something, but as far as a neighborhood, we probably have a hundred homes between both neighborhoods. And I don't know many people. I see them at the pool. You know, maybe I see them walking in the neighborhood and stuff like that, but You know, how do we get closer to being a community? And I think that's one thing America as general is really struggling with right now. But because we get we get so individualistic. It's realizing that we all have our trauma. We need to make one big trauma soup. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Trauma soup at a trauma party. Trauma party. That's what it was. Trauma party. Yep. Man, I, dude, 
thank you for for um for doing this for coming on for sharing your stuff i uh i never take it lightly i appreciate that you're gonna let me blast this out into the internet for the dozens of people that are listening um this was fun it was good catching up i do i'm really it's funny how like I just, you're wearing an Atlanta Crackers hat, which is incredibly specific to me because of my dad. Because my dad loved baseball. He watched Ken Burns' baseball like I watched The Office, right? Right. And he... He got the the romance that was about base because baseball is a very romanticized sport. And I just my, one of my first memories is my dad showing me the remnants of the Atlanta Cracker Stadium. And so I don't know what it was, but it's just pretty cool that you're wearing that hat and that yeah. like we're talking about fatherhood and this. Um, I don't know, man. It was a great conversation. Um, I do, I do love the idea of community and, and the idea of just understanding that like we all got stuff that we're dealing with, and if more of us could understand that, then the easier life would be. And and also just understand that we're all trying, we're trying to be parents, and a lot of us are we're, we're making it up as we go, right? right? You know, and just like the understanding of that is. I mean, that's powerful because we're we're not the only ones. And I'm grateful that you're sharing your story because, like you said, the more that you know that you're not alone, the easier all this stuff kind of gets to deal with, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's the – it's funny, you know. um, One thing that's interesting for me, like I – you talked about the whole Atlantic Crackers thing and all that, like Mm – you start getting in tune with the synchronicity of God Mm -hmm. and it's, and it's his, the spirit, right? Yeah. It's kind of freaky, (laughs) but like, it's really freaky that you're wearing that hat, man. Like it really (laughs) is Preston. I mean, I'm, I'll be honest with you because (laughs) it's like, there's probably not there. There's not that many people that know who the Atlanta crackers are. Yeah. You know, and well, it's 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 funny, um, you know, because I came in from work, rushed. I'm like, you know, I can't go under my hat. Right? I'm going to be on like the Zoom call. I need to throw a hat. And this was it's like. And think it's a, you know something to do with Atlanta because the A, mm-hmm. but then I, I love the when it opens up stations because I can explain to them you know what you know what it represents yeah. um, and the history of Atlanta and all that kind of stuff because I grew up here my whole life, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know it's funny how I don't know man it's like something clicked to me in my relationship with God where. I, for whatever reason, just start to be more in tune with that, those types of things, yeah. you know? And a lot of people will tell me like, Oh, like prove to me God exists or like, 
you know, like, um, I mean, as we, and I'm like, I can't, I can't, but I wouldn't because it'd be like me forging a love letter from God to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You have to want to seek, you want to have to know. And it's like those little moments, like you just talked about are the, uh, the moments where it's like, that's where the proof, Mm -hmm. the proof pudding is or whatever, like, in those moments, like, oh my God, this is so profound that this is happening at this moment. And, um, and that's the thing that um, helps me because I could have a terrible day and it's like, oh my God, the world's ending and then boom, something happens, you know, like, and at 19, and so like, I would have never, I, I didn't get that. Um, but it's like, hey, as a parent, if I can, be present and as those things happen i can share those with my kids you know perhaps you know they have a perspective of of seeing god show up mm-hmm. in the right moment, the moment or things happen or whatever that maybe maybe they're more aware of that as they grow older than i was um because now i look back and i'm like oh my gosh so i'll hear a song like you were saying earlier and i'm listening to the lyrics and i'm like i love that song I had no idea I loved it because it's because of the lyrics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm actually listening to now. Um, like if you go back to listen, like Ozzy Osbourne, crazy train, dude, like the, those lyrics are pretty deep. Like, so they're yeah. everything, going, like, like, you know, uh, so it's funny because as you get older, you start you start seeing those things or you start becoming more aware and then you realize yeah god is real like i mean this whole experience and so like that with this hat and what you were saying with your dad that's just uh reinforcement that mm-hmm. that's the case you know it's cool a lot of, a lot of people that's happening every day mm-hmm. a lot of people just have no idea you know mm-hmm. what i mean Cool. I love it. Well, dude, thanks for talking. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I enjoyed it, man. It's good. Yeah. The next got to figure out how we can do it like in person. Yeah, I know I will. I've got some ideas for some stuff and, and we'll be in touch because uh, there's a whole other level of our conversation that we haven't touched on with like kind of the, the church and stuff, but this isn't this, this episode, you know, yeah. This was that, but yeah, totally. How far, so how far are you from Old Dominion? The universe, the college? Yeah. Oh, like 20 minutes. So, you know, Georgia State and Old Dominion are in the same conference now. Oh, for real? Uh-oh. Yeah. So I, I, I say that <clears throat> because maybe there's a link there. There could be. That gets yeah. me up there. Yeah, man. If George State plays ODU, you know, you could do it. Yeah, here we'll do it again. Um, I can't remember football wise what the schedule looks like next year, but that is one way in in the fall or something like that. If we're playing at ODU, ODU, that mm-hmm. might be that might be a good weekend, dude. Maybe I can put Joe Harrison in the car and like come up and like yeah, he's. 
Yeah, he's coming this summer. Um, yeah, dude, bring him. We'll do it. Cool. I like it. I like. I like us having a plan as we like. Mm-hmm. We can work towards that or something. I like it. Or the other thing was uh, last fall we were doing as a family. We were going to rent an RV and go up the East Coast. Um, kind of go to different, a lot of different places, you know, as a family or whatever for like ten days or something. So 